every single Wednesday, 4.20 p.m. on the YouTube, every Thursday on Spotify with video, and anywhere that you listen to audio podcasts, that's when you are going to find myself, B.C. Wayman, that uh, other person that we love when he is here, Dustin Kava. That's when you're going to find the <laughs> two of us, the dynamic duo of Dank. I just thought of that on the spot. We're trademarking that shit right now. The dynamic duo of Dank, uh, because cannabis, brand new podcast this week. Excited to have our guest today. Uh, really excited to talk about what is happening out in California. We have someone who's been doing it for a long time in the industry and just brings a positive energy, like a kindred soul to me, Dustin. Though I got to tell you, we're sitting in the warm up box. I don't know. She might be more of a kindred soul with you. I feel like sometimes, I feel like sometimes the people that are more legacy, I think of you as a legacy, Dustin. I know it's the the unfurless beard. I made up a word there and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. I think of you more as a legacy kind of fella. And I think of my, my chic. My look, uh, definitely not in that realm. Uh, and so you can always tell. We can always tell which one do you vibe with more than the other ones. We'll see what our guest does. We'll bring them in. They're actually sitting there right now looking at us. It's all awkward and weird. That's what uh, kind of how we love to start the show. Every single Wednesday, 4.20 p.m. on YouTube, Spotify, at MeetWM, socially, at Because Cannabis, some places, because you know things. How you doing today, Dustin Kava? I'm having a blast today. It's been a great morning, great afternoon. This is, and I'm stoked about today. I'm really excited. I am as well. I got to tell you, so recently, you know how, Dustin, we're always trying to find like odd jobs, side jobs, gigs, works, things to do. Uh, you know, you do jobs, you do work. Everyone's trying to find a new alternative. We talk to a lot of different people here on the Because Cannabis podcast about their <laughs> gigs that they're trying to pull off, about trying to find their way into this industry. And they're doing it out of passion out of love, out of desire to spread the positivity of this magical plant. That's what we hear a lot. It's a great talking point. It's probably true, but it is. And I I have passions, Dustin. I haven't found a way to combine passion with profession. This is the start of it, I suppose. But my wife recently, and thank goodness she doesn't listen to the show, recently decided that she was going to take a, a side job, a part-time job, a gig, I guess. It's a part-time job. It's not really a gig. Uh, an ongoing part-time job. For very minimal, under the cash, like she's breaking the rules of the government. This is on record now, honey. You're breaking the law. Uh, doing this. She is taking a job. I think she gets paid 50 bucks for two hours, which actually, I mean, that's not bad pay. I mean, you're being real, well above most cannabis industry jobs here. 25 bucks an hour, two hours, every single Sunday morning, my wife goes to a stranger's house in a little more affluent part of town. And she goes over there and she shovels horse stalls and cleans them up because she wants to be around horses. That's what she's doing right now. She took a part-time job to go clean up horse poop. Uh, and we don't need the 50 bucks every week. I mean, I could appreciate it. <laughs> Everyone needs a little extra dollar bill y'all every now and then, but she took that job quite simply because she wanted to be near. Now she's gotten to brush them a little bit here and there. She gets to know their name. She gets to be around them and, you know, feel the horsiness. But I gotta tell you, <laughs> I did not mean to come out. You know how it goes. <laughs> I get it though. I told anyway, so yeah, I'm not a passion. Like, I'm never doing that job. Are you doing that thing? Are you doing a thing that you love because you love it? Uh, just because not because of the money. I mean, the money was she would have done it for free. It's just a bonus. Are you doing that? Not the horse, or maybe the horse thing. You know what? I'm I've always been into pretty nerdy shit. And so like, no matter what I've owned, you know, what businesses I've owned and ran and what I've done for whatever fucking reason, I have always built websites on the side for always. This is like my 20, 20 second year building websites. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's that long, longer than fucking any of our animals or anything that we've ever had or girlfriends or anything, you know? So it's, it's been the most consistent, but horses, no, I can't, I could never see myself fucking, I don't know, going something with sports or horses, I guess. I think it's not even so much the horse thing though. I'm not really, I'm not really into horses. I'm not really into horses at all. Uh, let's bring in our guest right now, Christina DePacy, uh, Paradiso Gardens. Uh, I saw on your Instagram, you had some horses like right outside your door, right? Like literally you opened your door and there's horses walking through. Uh, do you own those horses? Are those like strange horses? Are those like the cats in my neighborhood that just like want food? Like, <laughs> who owns those two horses right outside your door, Christina? Those are my horses. And they're, right, so that, kind of, they're free range. 
Okay. Well, I don't have the room mm -hmm. to be free range, but I need you right now. Like she's not going to listen to this because she has enough time for my shenanigans. Uh, but my wife is desperate to own horses. And I am like, I'm not a no person. I pretty much like I'm super chill. I know my mustache and polo shirt do not give it off, but I'm pretty cool guy, <laughs> right? I'm laid back. Uh, we'll get to know Christina de Pacey Paradiso Garden soon, but we got important stuff to talk about here in the Because Cannabis Show. I need you to impassionedly plea and please don't say it the other way here. We can't own horses. I need to. I need a recorded audio of why it's so bad to own horses. Why can't Please. you own horses? Of course oh, you damn it! I knew horses. she was going to go the other way. It's so easy. They're arguably easier than dogs. Now you, now you might be right because we won't get a dog either because that sounds like a ton of work. Dogs How is a horse easier than horses, a dog? Because horses, you just feed them twice a day and you have to muck their poop, and that's. More or less it. And then you can do like great activities with them. You can bring them around. You can bring them to the beach. You can bring them on a trail. But Everyone wants a... to ride a horse. Everyone wants to be around a horse. It seems like a lot care. comes with the horse getting to my house. Now I need a trailer to pull the horse. Now I got to get a truck that's large enough to pull the trailer. They need like a Uber, carry the like horse. A horse Uber that just drops the horses off and is Ooh. done with it. Uber, trademark. Ooh, we got trademarks uh christina de pacey paradiso gardens uh have you ever ridden a horse oh, we'll get to the cannabis in a second you ever ridden a horse dustin uh i i don't think so oh i gosh. can't remember i truly can't remember but i feel like fucking we we were going to in mexico at one point and instead did it yeah don't i don't know I don't know what you, don't finish that story. Uh, twice. I've been on the back of a horse twice. Uh, once my parents made me when I was a teenager. That's a, like a distant, hazy memory. Uh, but for my wife's, I don't know, like about 10 years ago, it was one of a, a birthday or an anniversary or something. She found a local person, talked me into it. We took like a, an hour long trail ride through a pretty mountainous, like, you know, more laid back area of where we're at. It was, it was fun. I gotta tell you though, they're really like, you're not in control. You're like on top of that horse and yeah, you can do, but that horse is going to do whatever the hell that horse wants to do. And I realized like it's taller than you. Like you kind of realize your place in a few moments <laughs> because like you're looking at it in the eyeballs and you're like, I'm going to get on top of you and you're going to go where I want you to go. And it like is, but at some point, if it doesn't, it's giving you the horse hoof. Like, no, we're not going anymore, buddy. <laughs> maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm not a kid. Maybe I'm too... Uh, anxiety and nervous. I, I have a lot more in common with horses than than I thought. Do you, you have, have to vibe with your horse? Horses. You have to like you. They're bigger than you. They can do whatever. They're huge, and somehow you have to figure out how they can respect you, and they're going to listen to you. And that's, I think, part of the addicting uh, appeal of horses, where you're kind hmm. of always in that struggle. You're always like, no, you're listening to me. No, me. <laughs> <laughs> they always say, I don't know if I want to need something that I always need to remind. I'm so much of a control freak. I don't like, I need to be like once I'm in control and it needs to bend the knee like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Nothing ever happens. Anyway. All right. Horse, uh, horse hooey aside. Welcome everyone because cannabis. We have Christina DePacy, Paradiso Gardens uh, from California. Uh, been around a long time, doing some exciting things, about to basically relaunch your whole brand with a new website and stuff that's coming out. Um, we got your proper introductions. There'll be some bio, I'm sure, written in the comments below. We haven't written it yet. We'll write it after we talk. It's going to be down there, Christina. Uh, but help us out. Help them out. Let's just give you a uh, quick Cliff Notes version of who you are, and let's get rolling. Fantastic. Thank you for that. I'm Christina DePacy. I'm founder of Paradiso Gardens. Uh, we are, I consider us a legacy cannabis brand in California. Um, we're mixed light greenhouse grown in the heart of Salinas, that's Central Coast, California. And we are distributed throughout the state. We have a bunch of great products and great customers. We love it. We love, we love our lives at Paradiso. Uh, I have to tell you one of the first things I'm going to go right off the bat because we were looking up uh, like some of the products that we're talking about in some of the press releases. Uh, you'll find the link to the site below. But once again, it's about to relaunch. So give it a little bit of time till it's up and running. Uh, but we'll have the link to ParadisoGardens.com. But I read in I don't know if it was one of the articles out there uh, about some of the brands. And I you just you focus and may correct me if I'm wrong here. I think you have a big focus on some pre-rolls in that area. But it mentioned like mini pre-rolls. 
which I have to tell you, do you have like smaller size, like 0.75 or like half gram basically pre-rolls as well? Or is it all just like the full gram size? No, we only have uh, our single one gram pre-rolls are the only like, you know, biggie pre-rolls that we have. The rest are all 0.5 grams. And they're yes, that is with... what we love our yeah. little halfies. That's shout out to the short smoke sesh. That's what we're talking about. I am Christina and it excites me because everyone we talk to seems to want to roll, bring out the fattest and the most like a five gram diamond dripped, like how and who is consuming that I'm a 50 year old, like OCD ridden <laughs> male. I need a quick hit. I need to go. I'm a busy fella, distinguished gentleman, Christina. Give me a 0.5 gram. <laughs> Uh, overrated. I'm just telling you right now. I think the giant joints overrated. I am proud that you guys are doing that. Do you have success? Like, I don't really ever get to talk to a company that makes them. I just love them. Are they pretty successful? Do you have to, are people missing out by not enjoying the short smoke sesh size? I feel like they're very well received in California. People love this, the, the shorties. And I think after COVID we're sharing is like a little bit more, you know, uh, I definitely think a twice now when I when yeah, I grab yeah. one from someone. I have to be honest. I had the first. Times you can yeah. share. Yeah, you can just bring really a bunch, sweet. right? Yeah. Yeah, we we're definitely huge advocates of the point five, um, in every form. Really, I I smoke a lot of glass, so I'm used to my little quarter gram or half gram packs, you know. But uh, I love a good good roll up one. Uh, Are you awesome? <laughs> I, what um you, you mentioned being it being a legacy in in the industry and I, you know over the last couple of weeks i've been listening to a lot of stuff with you and reading a lot of stuff about you and what does that make you feel when you hear that because you know what it was like to go to humboldt and start and see people who really did live it for a decade, years and years before you ever showed up there, you know? And so to, to know the legacy of them, of the families integrating it in their community when you, when it was extremely illegal or when things were, I don't want to say, how about less complicated than they are now? Um, what does it feel That's like That's a nice to way now, to say it. That's a nice what does it feel like to now be considered legacy in that space, to be considered a pioneer and someone who, who has, you know, broken enough barriers and stayed around long enough through all that craziness? Um, it makes me feel old. <laughs> uh, no, but I think it gives me like this really uh broad perspective on where the market has been and where it's going and i feel like for better or for worse it's going forward and so to be a part of that forward flow is really impactful for generations ahead of us right so it's it's like maintaining that perspective of like things are changing definitely with legalization and regulations but what do we want the next generation of people who are gonna you know smoke what do they what do we want and we want to have good brands that have really good product in them that you're not using branding as a disguise for the quality of product um maybe it's more inclusive and approachable for all types of people um but yeah you really want to make sure that you have good product in there and you're that's the biggest thing of that i picked up from humble days is like making sure you know, it's infused with love, but it's also not sprayed with anything crazy. And it's, you know, it's really good. The genetics are good and you're treating the plant well and that gets passed on to the consumer. It's a interesting thing because is, I think it moves forward and this is where, and you know, you talk a lot of the Paradiso gardens, you know, marketing, it's independent, it's craft. Like you have this kind of small ownership which I feel like is this great connection to customers and there are consumers that appreciate it, but I cannabis is in a weird space, right? You see stories as much as you hear the positivity about the craft and independence. You see stories of MSOs moving in. You see stories of MSO moving out. You hear the industry's over. You hear the industry's just getting started. You have all these conflicting reports and they're look, they're big media headline scare tactic things. So let's be obvious. Let's see through that part of it. But there's obviously nuggets, pun intended, of truth in those things. So when you have 
this industry, which is now, like you said, it just came out of COVID. It's still uh, plateauing, probably. It saw this big rise in COVID in sales, deemed essential business. It had a lot of discretionary money being handed out from the government. They're like, let's buy some weed. So you saw that rise. You saw these projections. The green rush was kind of really red. And now it's, it's plateaued, like it's at the spot. And so you have this space where it's going to be I don't know if it's a battle. I feel the proper term is eventually going to be coexistence between the big boys and the little boys. No gender this there. The big companies and the small companies. We'll put it that way. So you have the big companies and the small companies. You have people like yourself, but competing with mass growers. But then you have the answer, long-winded question here. You have the consumer. You have the consumer. And so how do you, and we, I guess, in the general cannabis industry sense, but you specifically maybe with Paradiso Gardens, how do you convince them that they need this better cannabis and they don't need the cheapest cannabis? We've had everyone on here. We know that money drives sales. Uh, house brands drive sales a lot of times in states, bonus and deals and what's on sale at the, at the mm -hmm. dispensary. So how do you combat that price point with education it's a tough question and i'm just always curious from smaller growers how do you get that word out there yeah i think that there's not uh there's not a great answer to that i think that there's because of the way that regulations are set up we are very disconnected from our customer we don't we don't get any of that data from the dispensaries we don't get any you know real feedback unless they're reaching out to us directly um, and I think that, that the answer is you try, or we try to be thoughtful with every touch point of our product, right? So the cannabis is one point, but the whole packaging, opening the box, having a free gift of matches, opening the jar, the jar has a colored lid, you know, it's embossed. It has all these things that show that we thought about things that we're not just, you know, going to market with either the cheapest or the sparkliest or the freshest looking, or it's like over packaged or over designed. It's just, we thought we were thoughtful with it. And when that thoughtfulness and that good design meets good product and that meets the price point, then you have a customer. Hmm. And that customer is going to continue to buy your product because it's intriguing and it's engaging and, you know, it feels good. As long as you can provide consistency within your product, then that, you know, you're only as good as your worst eighth. That's our, that's our motto here at Parity. So, and so you got to be consistent. When that. you're, it's the cool thing about craft cannabis is the smaller batch, this idea that it's not going to be around possibly next year or that you are working diligently for an entire year for something that has a shorter lifespan like that. But also kind of the, the way that the world gets opened up when you're not just looking at key metrics of the genetics and you actually are pinpointing very specific strains that represent the brand properly. And I think it, would be very neat to be on a team that kind of gets to fall in love with the, with the product before it ever comes out. You have a good year of building up that whole marketing messaging, the just everything that falls in line with it. Um, and, and what, what is that process like for you guys? How many strains a year do you, do you put out or do you change it up quite often? Do you, you know, is it's, I know you're thinking about certain money metrics, but what are some of the other very key points that you are looking for when you're choosing a product? So we have a really, really robust R and D program. We're mixed light. So we, we harvest every week year round. We have 1,200 LED lights throughout our greenhouses, um, 150,000 square feet of canopy space. So we're we are we're producing, we're producing, and we're producing, right? And so you don't really get this break to be like, how did things go? <laughs> it's it's it. So you need to have this engagement from your entire team of constantly looking at your 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 strains, um, right? And so there's kind of the quantitative things that you get from a lab, THC, terpene profile, um, 
and then from data such as yield, right? And then there's the qualitative, which is like, how does it look? How does it smell? How does it taste when you smoke it? How does it look in a jar? You know, like all those, all those kind of things. And so it's really, it's an entire team. It's an entire team of us that are constantly talking and constantly making decisions. Okay, we're gonna kill that strain, and then who are we replacing her with? You know, and it's mm -hmm. it's it's forever. And then, oh my God, um, we're picking up seven new strains next week. Uh, you know, and then that takes four months before we get to see it in harvest form with test results and all of this. So you're just constantly. I would say like there's 20 plus strains a month that we're bringing into this grow and and trialing. Um, and you, you know, we call the ones that we produce uh, consistently the champions. Yeah, that's a great name for it, right? So, so uh -huh. do you have that? Do you have like standard ones that are like your, you know, your go-to, like a house special, so to speak? Uh, and then you have experimentation ones as well. Absolutely, yeah. We have our champions, and the thing about cannabis and it being a, you know, newer plant to agriculture is that the genetics are very unstable. And so we have, our champions can't last forever. Um, they will inevitably degrade in, in some sort of fashion, whether it's THC level yield, quality, uh, something something's happening. Um, but you have to kind of send them off to a tissue culture lab or something like that if you wanna refresh your genetics. But yeah, the champion, it's kind of bittersweet, right? You can't have them forever, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> It is like that spot though. I think of as Dustin was describing kind of like a seasonal output. I mean, it's like the McRib or like a shamrock shake. Like you get excited when it comes out, right? Like it's a special release. So I love, and we have some, like we're here in Ohio, we're a medicinal only state, but even then, and we don't need to complain about that though. We probably will. Um, even then I have certain growers and we go in Michigan too, that have like a seasonal release and they've been working on it. And when it comes out, it is a cool thing because it's a once a year that you probably get to have this particular strain and they have a, a limited supply. And so there literally will be at the dispensary, like a line of people being like, Hey, I got to get this. This is only available because you know, it's going to sell out that day. So there is a mm -hmm. coolness to that vibe. And I think what you miss in medicinal is the ability in adult use to create that like marketing thing. Like, Hey, we're, even though you don't have that end use customer contact, you know, which is unfortunate, uh, because of the so heavily regulated, but you have that ability to be like customers being excited about the launch of a thing, right? If you can build that type of brand where people are waiting for a new experimentation or a, or a thing that haven't, hasn't come out in a year, that's a fun feeling. I think people email like, Hey, when's your, when's this strain coming out? That's gotta feel cool. <laughs> It feels really cool. I was doing a, uh, a bud tender education yesterday at one of the local shops, uh, just cause, you know, and they were, they were like reminiscing on these strains past lives, you know, the yes. very strain from 18 months ago. What happened to it? <laughs> like, is it going to come back? What about that mochi strain? And I'm like, no, <laughs> but we do have brain freeze coming up and, you know, and all these kind of ones that are, a result of the R&D process. So before they become champions, we get these uh, drops, you know, and they're very limited. Yeah. So do you have like a genetic, like in a vault that you have deemed unworthy, like Indiana Jones, <laughs> we need to break in. Like, do you have something you've put away because it was either too potent, too gross, too something that is just sitting there waiting to be smoked, like this magical bud that no one knows about? Do you have like secret bad stuff in a vault that we <laughs> must try? <laughs> Oh my God, I wish, you know, it's so expensive to have greenhouse space. There's no room for that. There's at this, this no these ladies have to produce. Yeah, they have to show something. There's no space. Are you still on the five acre um, farm? Yeah. That's yeah, so we're on a five acre farm and then it's, it's all greenhouses. And how so many greenhouses do you have on the, on the five acres? It's, it's just two. It's just two, but they're very big. And they, um, they're, we're taxed locally per square footage space. And so that's where you get into like the cost of it. And then running those lights is very expensive. Um, and so it's just, there's a, there is a, there's, I think there's this dream. It would be great to have like an extra nursery that's like a hundred thousand square feet. And you can just like keep all these genetics in there. That's like. I think that's really where the the cost of the cannabis taxes and all of that really it, 
it prohibits that kind of creativity and ability to do that because everyone's so like we have to figure out some way to have any revenue <laughs> and yeah. hopefully be profitable um, but it doesn't allow for this like creative freedom it's that ugly spot. We talk to a lot of people who are trying, you know, start their own business. They want to be cultivators, especially in newer states that haven't, you know, legalized. You see, you know, we're about to here in Ohio vote for adult use uh, again. But I think it's got a better chance to pass this time than in the past um, for that. And people get all excited. But it's that dirty secret sometimes of cannabis is it's not so much a business about growing plants sometimes it's a business about managing real estate and managing utilities like those are the skill sets almost like there are a lot of people who are probably super super smart with the plant and they got a geneticist brain and they're breaking this thing down on a you know discovering cannabinoids we didn't even know existed uh but yet if you can't think about the mass amount of water the mass amount of electricity how to find alternative sources how to maintain sustainability and the rent in the that type of space and what that does that's really sometimes what the cannabis business is it seems like today right do you feel like sometimes you're more of just like like a landlord than you are like a grower absolutely you you're and the can like nothing everything's so nuanced so you also have to be like amazing at accounting and amazing at hr and amazing at branding without being able to advertise anywhere yeah. like it's so wonky and these it really pulls your uh, your attention and I feel like your brain power on all these different ways where you're like, I guess I have these skills now. <laughs> I guess I will have to learn this. <laughs> what was one okay. of the, the skill sets that you didn't expect to have to learn, but once you did, it actually started exciting you? So, I, I mean, I know what it's like to be a small business owner and putting on all the different hats throughout a day that I have to wear, but there were certain things that I just ended up loving and I loved the math behind it or loved, you know, and things I just never thought I would have. This is ridiculous. And I don't, I don't have, I don't have that much involvement anymore, but I like truly loved the books. I like, like the accounting stuff accounting like figuring out how to set up a cost accounting system figuring yeah. out how to set up the right chart of accounts for your growth for your brand <laughs> all this that makes sense and like and incorporates 280e policies into it mm -hmm. and just like it's so that i love that and it, i think it's just uh it's this thing of like it's kind of like a design you know and then you see how it works and you're like oh it's People but when you see numbers. that, when you see those two numbers line up after hours of shit, you just feel it's like- It's amazing. Yes. I feel like I just won a fucking marathon or something. Like I just feel so empowered. And yeah, I get that. I totally get that. BC, do you ever feel like you just won a marathon when you finished your books? No, <laughs> I ran a half marathon though once. I felt like I ran a marathon after a half marathon. That was terrible. I'm not a numbers guy at all. I have zero. That's probably why I'm doing this with you, Dustin, and not successful. Not that, that <laughs> like, I can't figure out how to start a business to save my life. I'm a I'm an idea guy, as they like to say in the business. Uh, where it were, uh, it's it's hard though. I mean, it's hard, and I think it's a true point to what I'm, you know, both half truthing here. Uh, it's hard sometimes to launch the businesses up because of those deficiencies that you lack initially, if you don't have the capital to hire someone, right? There's lots of great accountants and there's lots of great attorneys and there's lots of great growers and there's lots of great real estate people. There's lots of great people to do all these tasks that you had to learn, Christina, at Paradiso Gardens, but then you got to have capital. Now you got to pay them. And now you're like, well, if I pay them and I'm balancing my books, I realize I'm not making the profit I'm making. So now you force yourself to learn it. And I think, uh, and I'm curious if you have, like I guess an inspiration or a thought of someone who's had to jump all of these hurdles and, and you know drive around the roadblocks. Pick your metaphor for getting around an obstacle that is in your path. You've had to do that a few times as a small business owner. So how do people in your spot like when you run into these positivity is only going to get you so far? Anything you've learned or anything you've thought about to when you come into these roadblocks to remind yourself that. You kind of got to have to if you want to get around uh, whatever metaphor we're playing with. Yeah, I mean, everything will pass is an important is an important one. Um, and I don't I don't know. I, there's 
it will all work out. You just keep going forward. It will all work out. You know, just keep showing up. That's the heart. Yeah. Just keep showing up. And there's this unbelievable respect. I think people in the cannabis space have for each other because nothing is easy and everything is so insanely difficult. And it's like, we're all just at this point, like, like, I don't know, survivors, warriors, something like that. Like we're, we're all just like, okay. Do you think okay. it's going to end up being like a support group for past, like, you know, growers in the industry that everybody gets together <laughs> at the church on a Wednesday at seven and kind of consults each other? It's going to be okay. Just show up. We survived the rise of the MSOs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I hope so. I hope <laughs> that the trauma doesn't get passed on, but like, I, I, it's, it's, yeah it's often it's so chaotic and, and this industry moves so fast that you don't get that time to like kind of process really and so um i think making sure that you gain perspective at all times and like kind of can remove yourself and be like okay that's happening and it will be chaotic for a very long time because it is not you know it, we haven't figured it out as a country and so it's just gonna be change and change and change that has these ripple yeah. effects that kind of cause more chaos and you just it's just keep keep doing it keep growing the weed keep selling it just keep keep doing it does the idea of federally legalized cannabis excite you or scare you oh i don't think either i think it's it, i am so like who knows what that actually will look like and how that will affect. And I'm sure there's going to be a lovely bubble where we can rise and we're like, Oh my God, this is great. And then there's going to be a crash. And we're like, Oh my God, what happened? What happened? It was so much better back in the day, you know? And, and then it was like, okay, wow, this is going great. And it just like, it's, this is a roller coaster, and it's, I, I think it will be like 20 years before it's like at all, plateaued into like some sort of normal consistency um where yeah, it's like, probably longer than that like before the point where everyone yeah. wants it to be like alcohol which ironically alcohol has state-to-state -state regulations i can buy it at a gas station here but i can't buy it at a gas station in pennsylvania so it's not like alcohol doesn't have its own weird state to state but before it gets to be like that to where it is very commonplace and normal it's easily two decades i mean you'll have a even if it was legalized in the next three or four years, you would still have 10 years plus of just figuring out the minutia. And the reason I asked, and I was curious, is because when a federal legalization comes in, not a descheduling, a descheduling completely would be, I think, the best. Schedule three, I don't know if that really helps. It does help some, especially banking and some other things. But a complete legalization would mean a complete set of regulations from a federal government that while taking input and advice from state regulators, usually new people in power, like any ownership wants to put their old kind of stamp on what they do. So I feel like sometimes now it equals to like new regulations and the federal government saying, I know California, I know Colorado, Oregon, you guys have been doing this great for a long time, but here's our rules. And I feel like if that happens, that's when you're going to see more like frustrate a lot more frustration, maybe even than now, because you've been running it. You have a successful pro. I mean, you have a frustratingly successful program making, you know, 10 plus billion. So do you need more? Do you want more federal government to come in? Does that's the part I'm curious about if that like would annoy you or if you just maybe you're in a place, Christina DePacey from Paradiso Guards, or you're just like, it is what it is. <laughs> Oh, it's a complete crapshoot, but maybe the regulations are something you're already doing. And then that gives you the leg up. You know what Ooh. I mean? Like you don't know, you have no idea what it's going to be. And so there's this might, that might be amazing time for you to capture a market, you know, or maybe it's going to reset everything. And then you're going to you be have the most positive it. fucking outlook on one of, on one of the most complicated <laughs> and arduous industries. It's almost, I don't even know what to say. I feel like. That, Cause everyone comes in here and they're all like, most people are frustrated. <laughs> they're frustrated with the industry. And you can sense there's a little bit of frustration there behind Christine. It's clear. Like you're in a regulated industry, but you've done a, 
and I don't know, you know, you're just doing a comfortable job of trying to maintain that. Like it is what it is. Like you, if you want to play this game and every game has rules and objectives that people don't like, and every game has rules and objectives, I can watch a football game and a basketball game and they can argue over those set rules in the game and have different interpretations. Everyone's got rules in the games they play. So if you <laughs> want to play the game, there's just rules, bro. What are you going to do? That's a lot of game and rules in one sentence. So it's pretty good, BC. I'm a repetitive person. I've learned that about myself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like that. There's there's just an acceptance. Like, it just, it did not go as planned. I can tell you that. This is not going as planned. But <laughs> it's okay. And, like, it's working out. And, there, you know, our, our brands are very... Uh, you know, they're very laid back. Paradiso is, a, you know, a vacation from the everyday. And so I try to as much incorporate that into, well, my life. But then when I'm doing these bud tender trainings, when I'm speaking with buyers, when I'm thinking about the events that we're doing, when I'm incorporating more products, like these are products, life is a game and has annoying rules and it's very hard to get ahead and it, it, you know and cannabis is just something that complements your life that can make it bearable <laughs> and enjoyable right and so it's just, just this is what it is and you the only thing you can control is your perspective i like the idea of making the my own brand uh, centric around vacation thought my I know if I was to create another brand it'd be like the get up and go 19 hours a day fucking 10 cups of coffee brand Wait, cannabis brand. My idea? I think I just tra <laughs> I already trademarked that that's my third trademark I already trademarked the get up and go coffee and sativa is how I roll that's that's my jam bro uh, but yeah I definitely I there's something to that too instilling that value in everybody who works within the company as well because they're going through it just as hard as you are and the frustrations are may not have the same level of risk associated with the decision but the frustration is still there there's still that lack of being able to sometimes just do what you want to do even though you know it's for a better output what is it like there's so there's always a lot of there's a lot of dude-owned companies and in the industry you know like i i i fucking have, most <laughs> all of yeah. I, and and it's it's vast vast my, the favorite brands that I've got 89%. to work with in terms of marketing this year were female led brands. They are more future focused. They have been, um, their messaging has been on point. The reasoning, their why, is on point. They have they have far and exceeded all the other male centric brands that I get to work with on the day to day. And I don't know why that is. I don't know whether it's this forced thing within the industry where you have to go a little bit harder and dial things in more, or, or do you just feel like you got to prove yourself because these fucking assholes have been running the show like shit for so long. I, I don't know, but what does that feel like to be able to, embolden the next generation of female owned business operators to truly say, you know what, this shit was hard, but I fucking did it. This is how I did it. This is why you're going to do it. And this is, this is the roadmap. Now you have a mentor, you have someone you can actually look up to now, which is probably something you personally didn't get to have within the industry. Yeah. I mean, I would say that there's, a lot of female growers back in the day. And that was something that did stand out with me. Um, but as far as like, when you actually make it a business and you're raising capital or you're like talking to investors or you're, you know, you're meeting other C-level executives and you know, you're, it's overwhelmingly male, right? And, and it's male and, and male and male and male and male. Um, I, it's, you just realize that it's a man's world. That's what I'm like. I'm like, wow, this whole world is, you know, it's just a man's world. Everything is that way. Every company is funded by men. All like, it's just, that's, and so that's like a little disheartening, but also it's like changing, right? And that change isn't gonna be fast, but you know, first where females were 50 years ago, like 
my mom worked for IBM and she was only like allowed to wear pants to work in the 90s, like the late 90s. <laughs> you know, she had a, so like it, things are much better. Um, and I think there's like a, a little bit more like our brains don't work the same, you know, and so there's a little I, I think I think of things a little bit more holistically, um, which comes out as thoughtfulness or, you know, and you're checking off all the box and I'm not just like, go, 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 go. But I'm like, okay. And you check in with people a little bit more. It's like a little slower, maybe um, how it works for me. But I think it's really, really fun to, to be this lady in this space and you can, um, and I just encourage people to be themselves, like as much as you can just be yourself and you'll get respect and you can go pretty far. Does it bother you to, that we put that title in front of cannabis led cannabis owned, you know, businesses that we kind of set a distinguishing term like that women owned cannabis entrepreneur. Like, do you feel like, um, that I don't even know the right wording. Sometimes I feel like it's just a bunch of men who have forced you to have to say that again. It's not that you just, you're just a, you're a cannabis operator. This is the fucking, this is what you do. You got 19 licenses and that's, this is, you have the, all of the umbrella, but we always gotta, I, you know, why don't we just say male ran cannabis company? And then you guys can just say, we're the cannabis operators. Like we, we're the ones who have to distinguish that we're not, I don't know. It just seems fucked up. I feel almost bad that it, it has to be stated in that way. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I didn't, I don't, I don't necessarily ever say that myself. Um, but there was something, I think it was something in print. I, I'm pretty sure it was news by Cleo and this VP of the banking company that we use read it. And then emailed me and was like, holy cow, I work for a female CEO too. Like, this is so cool. And she gave us this like huge discount on our banking. <laughs> and I was like, yes. oh, I'm going to start saying this a little bit more. It is interesting. So, it, it's very meaningful to certain people. And mm -hmm. so, yes, it is 100% males want you to say this, but it, it's, it is meaningful and it's important to highlight. It's a catch 22, right? Cause we have, you know, and I think it's even in, you know, like the press stuff we get about you. It's, it's women owned companies. And we have the same thing when we have minority ownership on there too. And Dustin and I, we have these conversations. We had it before you came on. I'm like, I don't want to just talk about being women owned. Cause I feel like that's the same line of thinking Dustin was. It's like, well, we know it. You, you, you are who you are, but I think to your point, what you said at the very end, while it probably is something that needs to be put out there, I think people it's probably good for other people. It's probably good to be the distinguisher, but it is always weird of how much to oversell it or over promote it, or can you over promote it enough? Right? Like that's where that weird part is. You want to just celebrate you and what Paradiso gardens is doing, what uh, you have done and what you have established. But I think it's important for those next generations that we talked about. At some point it goes away. At some point you won't have to say it. At some point, like anything you talked about the slow generational change at some point it will just be cannabis companies but i think for now it's nice to to put out there right just if nothing else to be like hey i can do this you can do this i think that's a big part of it yeah and i mean this is more tactile and revenue driven but uh we i was at this other dispensary in la last week and we were talking about this like big wall that we could take over million dollars a month a deal no i'm joking but <laughs> that's how they kind of do it out here dispensaries make you pay to design their shop for them um but yeah and he's like wow, wow do so oh, in huge a... you should write woman-led business we could sell out we would sell out we would sell through your stuff so you know and i was like and he was it was interesting to hear from that perspective too that women who are coming into the shop want to know that and the more that we advertise that and driving yeah. you know and i think we're approachable we're not just for women by any means or no 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 the packaging nice branding. the branding well no really yeah. but it, there is that thought and i will say like let's play the devil's advocate of it i i agree a i think and i'm not putting it i think it's a little 
overrated, like just that term that people are going to walk in and see that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, it could be wrong on that. I just feel like it's once again, I think people look for quality of product. Maybe it gets them in the first time and then your product actually has to uh, stick with it and go um, for that aspect. I didn't know that you had to like pay for the walls. That's the part I can't, I couldn't get past when you said oh that, God. like the, the dirty, the dirty aspect where like, if you walk in, you know, I know that yep. why you do dispensary days, why you do training. Like we know it's a good thing. If you recommend a product to a customer or to a, a bud tender, give them a sticker and a grinder with your logo on it. Someone walks in is like, Hey, what's new and fresh. They might drop. Hey, Paradiso was here because they were talking to us. Uh, but I didn't realize that the other part of it, like if you want the more advertising space you want, the more, uh, yeah, now green. there's going to be an auction house for like coming up here on shelf 12, it's a million dollars for three months. And you just have everybody like, Oh, I'll get that. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucked up. It yeah. Really fucked it, up. It's called shelving fees. Yes. Yeah. And I can't believe they're doing shelving in California. See, that's nuts. And We've talked about doing they're that. Like 2000, 3000, this dispensary is talking about with 6,000. Wow. I used to know a guy who sold ice cream and that's what it was. Every store was, it was a shelving situation. They auctioned off the shelves of the ice cream. All the profit that was made within that shelf was yours, but you paid the $2 million for the shelf space. Um, and, and I have thought about that on the smoke shop level of stuff with local glass blowers and stuff like that. Like, here's your, you know, let's try it. But I never thought it would hit the dispensary level. Just, I don't know why I felt like there was a, gonna be a divide there because it is it's a kind of a back alley way of i don't know i don't know i guess it makes sense it's like well, a, i can tell you like on the other side i've done this on non-cannabis related and if you get to a large enough spot and this is where i'd be curious because this is what i assumed happened and so now i'm curious so what would happen in say a bigger business is let's say you had a end cap at a store and you have Coke and Pepsi, a lot of times you'd rotate them. And for the month that Coke is on the end cap, Coke has given you an extraordinary deal on cost. So you're still not, you're still paying them. But let's say for that month, they discount you if it's $12, you'll pay $6 for that particular month on your invoice and your accounting. Let's talk some uh, double entry accounting here. You'll pay $6 a month on that and they'll bill you for that. But then next month, you know, you basically sell the space off, but how you sell it is the cost. Like the, the, the producer drives the demand, not the store. And it sounds like in cannabis, somehow, because the dispensaries, this is what's weird, because the dispensaries hold the power, right? Coca-Cola can sell their product at lots of places. Dispensary legal cannabis has a issue where you can only sell it in licensed dispensaries. So it feels like what you have is a bunch of people doing shady tactics. It should be the other way. They should, you should be giving better cost for that break to have that higher space, but they're still paying you. You're just paying less and they make a little more money for featuring you this other way around. That's some shady, shady shit. <laughs> that bothers me. I am upset by that. It's a constant game then of who has the most capital, not the best product. It's, it's part of Paradiso's fucking shtick is the craftness of it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, and, and, and so like, it's just a, that should be front and center. Not, Oh, did I drop six figures to fucking Diane over at wherever dispensary? You know, I don't know. It just seems, it, it seems. It Do dispensaries seems have too much power? It's another roadblock for you. And, and the dispensary is that one barrier where you actually get to find out about the customer. Like they are the collectors of the data there. They talk, they sell, they, but they don't ever talk outside or go to the growers and say, last week I had 44 people on my checklist that mentioned your brand. Here's where they said they came from. Here's what they looked for. You don't get any of those metrics. And so it just seems kind of sad to me that that one spot for the best customer representation, the customer analytics is now being just sold out to the highest bidder. It kind of breaks my heart a bit. Yes. It's funny to go into those meetings and just being like, no way. <laughs> yeah, That's I would say joyful. no way in principle. I am learning this. Like, I did not realize I would literally be offended if someone said it's going to, I would like, what type of mobster tactics are you running here? Like, I'm <laughs> out. There is no way, but you have to. Like, you want to play this game. And so this is where that balance comes is I, I didn't realize how much power 
the dispensaries have gained in adult use states. Well, I, I wonder what states when they mm -hmm. switch over to say a state store for for medicine like this instead of a private reset, you know, retailer, what when would that, you know, at that point, is that something on how that changes? Is it, you know, and I wonder in what other states is this rampant? Ohio is really nuanced and, and with just medical and you're not allowed to combust it. You have to vape it. You have, there's all these weird things, which then kind of, and there's only so many dispensaries, a very little amount compared to other states. Um, it just seems like it's more gated. And so they're just lucky to be getting product from these guys. And it's not necessarily the, the highest bidder. It's what the I'd customers say the cultivators have power in our state in in this medical area. And I want it as a whole. We've learned this when you get especially these Midwestern states that have go legal and they have basically license up for raffle, for lack of a better term. The cultivators mm -hmm. have the power. And it sounds like where you're at, the dispensaries have as much power maybe more sometimes than the cultivators do. And it's the flip in a lot of medical states. Oh, hundred percent. There's not enough dispensaries, uh, for the state, you know? So it's like, we have the lowest dispensaries like per capita compared to a lot of the other recreational states. Um, and then like where there's so much dead zones, there's like more than 50% of California is still a dead zone for dispensaries. And there was no oversight as to how many licenses were given. Um, or anything like that. So the cultivation is like overproduced and yeah, there's just, it's, it's, a uh, okay. Okay. Well, we talked talk <laughs> about a lot of bullshit right, this focus. hour. I want to know what the heck is exciting you with. Yeah, let's industry. go positive. What, um, you know, whether it's a new, a new product, a new, a, a, a new market that you're thinking about entering into, like something's gotta be dry. The fact that you get to be creative with the packaging, like what is driving Christina right now? Oh, a hundred, the creative, everything creative. That's what keeps this, this role for me exciting. Um, we're developing new products so we're doing like gummies and disposable cartridges, which is super fun. We have a great creative team that we get to work with. Um, so doing all these kind of outside the box installations and events for next year, like on the table, doing a merch line. We're redoing our websites so we can um, redo our Shopify sites and, um, you know, do merch lines and try to get like out, expand outside of cannabis and create other goods that are just cool and fun and nice and complimentary to um, cannabis. And it, there's a lot when, when the grind isn't getting you down, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to be excited about, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's a dynamic industry and like people are not doing very good and some dispensaries can't pay and you have to like, you know, switch to your customer base around a lot. But when you're, when you're navigating that well and you it's becoming consolidated in California. And so there's less and less players and it's, it, there's a calmness that's happening too. Hmm. Um, and so it's, I'm, I'm really leaning into that calmness uh, <laughs> and then just doing a bunch of creative stuff to compliment. Uh, we just had a guest yeah. on last week, dynasty electric. And if you're looking for calmness, <laughs> they are who to check out. They're the sound bath people. The sound right? bath yes. folks. Yeah, man. They were awesome. I know. How cool are they? They are I, awesome. I got introduced to a whole new world of I am not, I don't listen to calming music. It's quite obvious. I have been jamming <laughs> to some Dynasty Electric, though. It's great to put you in a place. Like, just that, the whole, like, vibe of that music, I just haven't been into. Uh, but it's been enjoyable. And they were super cool. They're super, Jenny and Seth are super awesome. Yeah. On a live sound bath. Like yeah, they do it, like, every. On the ground and they're yeah. there in the room with you. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm so fucking jealous because we talked about that. That idea that the room resonates what they're doing and back exactly. power within the wall. You're sitting you in it while it's fuck, it's so crazy. You uh, hear it like in one ear, you hear it, you can feel it in like one side of you, and then it reverberates, no. and it's like, whoa. One of these days we get to California. Well, they're out in Nova Scotia. We get to California, Dustin. We're gonna meet some people. Uh, how many times basically here's here's my real question. Does anyone outside of California say the word Cali sober? 
I don't know. I am <laughs> done with Cali Sober. And we're gonna we're wrapping I'm up. I'm done Christine. with Cali Sober. Too. Yeah, we're done with Cali Sober. Yeah, uh, Christine DePacy from Paradiso Gardens got a few minutes left here on the show. Check out the link, the descriptions, all that good stuff uh in the comments below. It's been a wonderful time. But I gotta tell you right now, someone from California, I just heard the term the other day. Someone mentioned it, said they're gonna go Cali Soba, Cali Sober. I rolled my eyes at them and I'm like a <laughs> 50-year-old white dude in Ohio. Like I had no, but I was just like, oh. I am done with the, I'm sure, shout out Billy String, shout out all the people, I get it. Jam bands are awesome, but I'm done with the term Cali Sober. Uh, what I really want to know is what's the opposite? What is <laughs> is it? What is when you go all in on alcohol and you do anything but booze? I want to know what state, <laughs> what state gets that? I want to know what state, because I feel like some people, I'm putting Michigan on there. I'm going Michigan Sober, would you just go all in? I'm starting a new trademark, four trademarks today we, we patented. We're small business entrepreneurs on this show. <laughs> Uh, pick a state wisconsin sober is that that's like all cheese when you just eat nothing but fucking cheese wisconsin sober i want to know what the state that gets the the, the drugs in cali sober overrated right just done with it just smoke weed do I'm whatever you want it. but stop defining yourself by a song sorry uh it happens sometimes it goes there uh all right christina my favorite last question uh kind of what dustin was talking to what is coming up in next in cannabis in like the future that you don't maybe have a side on, or maybe you're not doing it yet. You saw it at some press conference. You saw it. You read a, heard a podcast. Someone talked about it. What new thing, like I'm all, I'll give you mine. You can't use this one. I'm excited about the future of nebulization of the plant. Uh, as someone who has someone who has some lung issues and things like that, uh, the potential to have non-combustible uh, particle based like inhalation into the lungs. So you have that access uh, so it doesn't, especially if they have livers or things like that. Expositories are also another thing I think is super awesome. Like those types of medicinal mm -hmm. aspects. Uh, what are types of things that can be cultivation techniques? It can be a, a a way to consume. What coming up in the future just blows your mind? Or have you thought about like that would be so rad if it happened in cannabis? I think the the, the cultivating of different strains for different cannabinoids. Mm -hmm. That's always been a thing and it's been because we're limited, you know, it's just expensive to do. There hasn't been a ton of R&D happening, um, but you slowly see pockets and you see new, like this cultivar, it's really high in THCV, but there's so much more that's out there and that we have like not tapped into because we haven't figured out how to make it like commercially viable. Um, but that's, that's where I'm like stoked and seeing these plants that are just kind of look a little different, smoke a little different, have these interesting profiles and make you feel a little weird. How about you, it. Dustin? We haven't heard, we haven't talked to this in a while. Have you anything, you learned anything new? I Honestly, I think this idea of genetic testing getting cheaper and cheaper in price to help me figure out what cultivars I want to use and stuff like that. Like, I think the, the, the breeding aspects using DNA, I think I'm pretty stoked at the time cut that it could kind of knock out. Um, but I think my favorite right now is the one minute acting um, edible. Within one minute, it fully, it fully. Aren't those so cool? Those they are powders. awesome. I they are freaking like them. To me, I just think that that finally positions cannabis in a social way, uh, and I just think that. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm super, super stoked about that. I just think that for newcomers to be able to tell where they're at now within a couple minutes and know when they got to add a little bit more and just, I, I don't know, something about that just is awesome. It's going to change the also, consumption it's game. It's like a slightly different high too. It's like not, it's not as like rounded and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's like more direct and clean in a way. You're just like, whoa, I'm buzzed now. And <laughs> it is so cool. Feeling. And I think it's going to help it's redefine, so cool. Christina, like consumables. Like the consumption cafe is something that everyone always wants, but I see no, there's no business model, right? It's just no business model. And so it's going to help redefine a lot of things. So I'm excited uh, for what we got going there. Uh, Christina DePacy, Paradiso Gardens, paradisogardens.com. You can check out the link below. Thank you for joining us this week on Because Cannabis. We really appreciated having you here. It was a blast. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. All right, check out the links. We're going to say goodbye uh, to Christina. Goodbye uh, for you. Thank you for joining us very much on the show. Uh, Dustin Kava, I'm going to say goodbye to you for the week. Uh, don't forget, brand new episodes every single Wednesday or 20 p.m. on YouTube. Uh, please give a subscription. I should have said that in the beginning, but, you know, 
Subscribe uh, Because Cannabis on Spotify, video, podcast every Thursday, and anywhere that you listen to audio podcasts at MeetWM Socially, at Because Cannabis Socially, as long as we're not shut down. Sometimes we are. You never quite know. Go to LinkedIn. They never shut us down. Everyone else kind of does. Our guest nudes up problem as well. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check out the links to Plant Save My Life podcast, budlove.com, all the good stuff in the descriptions. Dustin. Ride a horse. Right, you, man. Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, enjoy your horse rides in the future, everybody.